This is the TriDot Podcast. TriDot uses your training data and genetic profile combined with predictive analytics and artificial intelligence to optimize your training, giving you better results in less time with fewer injuries. Our podcast is here to educate, inspire, and entertain. We'll talk all things triathlon with expert coaches and special guests. Join the conversation and let's improve together. Together. Big episode of the TriDot Podcast today. Big, big topic to cover with the team. Uh, we all know heading in the race day, we start doing the math on our splits, right? You know, we start trying to figure out, okay, I've been running at this pace lately in training, and the course is this distance, and I think I can go about this pace on race day, so I hope to finish an X amount of time. If you've raced a try, you've absolutely done this. Heck, if you've done any race of any kind, you've probably done this. Well, at TriDot, we have a little something called RaceX that stands for Race Execution, and it does this for us way better than we could. So today we're going to talk all about it. First up joining us is TriDot founder and CEO, Jeff Boer. Jeff is the chief architect behind TriDot's insight optimization technology that powers TriDot training. He's a multiple-time Ironman finisher and has been coaching since 2003 from the Olympic level to more than a dozen pro triathletes multiple national champions, and literally hundreds of amazing age group athletes. Jeff, thanks for joining me today. Of course, Andrew. I got to say, this is probably the raciest topic that we've <laughs> ever done on the show. So I know everyone's excited as I am to, to cover it, but uh, got a lot to cover. We'll just have to pace ourselves and get to it. Got to get the pacing right for the racy, right. the racing episode. Uh, next up joining us is pro triathlete and coach Elizabeth James. Elizabeth came to the sport from a soccer background and quickly rose through the triathlon ranks using TriDot. From a beginner to top age grouper to a professional triathlete. She's a Kona and Boston Marathon qualifier who has coached triathletes with TriDot since 2014. Elizabeth, I know you just love to get out and race. So how excited are you to talk about RaceX? Wow. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we can truly quantify my level of excitement about today's episode. This is just going to be awesome. Well, I'm Andrew, the average triathlete, voice of the people and captain of the middle of the pack. As always, we'll roll through our warm-up question, settle in for our race execution conversation, and then wind things down with our cool down. Lots of good stuff. Let's get to it. Time, time to warm up. Let's get moving. Recently, TriDot athlete Jack Gaffey hilariously roasted me on Facebook for the way I often say triathlon on the podcast. Jack posted this. He said, okay, new TriDot drinking game. If you listen to the TriDot podcast while running or riding on the trainer, go for five minutes at zone four every time you hear Andrew say triathlon with the extra syllable. <laughs> Well, we all thought this was a hilarious suggestion. I promise you it's something I'm, I'm working on, but the more we do these podcasts and the more we start talking, it's just a word I can't avoid. We really kind of wanted to take this idea, though, and really flesh it out further and make an official TriDot podcast drinking game. And guys, let, let's just say instead of alcohol, you have to take a hit of your favorite electrolyte beverage of choice. Uh, we are triathletes, okay? We're going to be healthy. Triathletes. We are triathletes. <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> Long story short, the warm-up question for today is, what are some other phrases that you've heard on the podcast often enough to incorporate it into a TriDot podcast drinking game? So a, a few examples I'll give is uh, whenever BJ Leeper, uh, Dr. BJ Leeper or Dr. Krista Austin are on, 
um, they often reference the literature. So they're always like, well, the literature says, because <laughs> uh, there, there are nerds, there are, there are brainiacs. Uh, you, you would want them to, to do that. And so somebody could take a, a shot of their electrolyte beverage of choice every time they hear Dr. Austin reference the literature. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one that came to mind for me is all the time I'll ask a question or Elizabeth will ask a great question and, and one of our guests will be like, well, that's such a great question. And then go on to answer the question. Well, I'm Jeff guilty Rain, of that. <laughs> yep. And, and we've all done it. Everybody's That's what you call thinking it. time, getting your thoughts in order. Uh-huh. That's a great question. What am I going to say? Um, the, and Jeff Rains, he takes it a step further. He always says, well, that's the million-dollar question. Um, and so those are they have to be on the list of the Try Out Podcast drinking game. But, but for you guys, I've talked a lot here. Um, Elizabeth, for you, what do you think should be on the official Try Out Podcast drinking game. Well, this wasn't necessarily a phrase, but I was thinking, you know, every time that Reigns throws out a corny joke um, should absolutely yep. be included. Yep, and not just Reigns. I mean, we just had Jeff Boer well, right, sitting here with yeah. us. Now we've got Jeff Make, and Jeff making the, the jokes. <laughs> yeah, he's, he referred to this episode as the raciest episode we've ever had. That that would merit a shot in this scenario. Mm-hmm. Yep. Jeff Boer, how about you? What, what is something that you, I mean, I know you listen to all the episodes, um, even when you're not on them. So what is something that you have heard the rest of us say a lot? Well, I, I think I definitely thought of that's a great question or awesome question. Sounds uh-huh. to that effect <laughs> for sure. That was the first thing that came to mind, but I thought that'd be pretty cheap. So um, to do something unique, I guess I'd think um, optimize. So any version mm. of the word optimize, optimized, optimizing, yeah, anything like that. So when we talk oh. about training, um, we're very specific with that word. Uh, we are and how we use it uh you know from a truly technical you know you you think of um you know training people say oh it's dynamic or adaptive or whatever it's anything can or anything that changes is, Buzz, yeah. in, insert buzzword put, here yeah you put a, a buzzword in there. any 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 automated decision making of any kind qualifies as ai you know yeah and so but there's just a whole lot that goes into that and so it's something that we use very purposefully with a specific meaning um so every time we do i, I think we use it you know quite a bit yeah i'm trying to be and we will uh, today differentiating Opti- yeah. Yes, absolutely. Optimize and, race pacing. Optimize your your performance on race day for sure. Yeah. So fill up your electrolyte uh, sports drink. <laughs> yes. Get ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Take 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 a big giant swig of your Good electrolyte beverage when yep. we say uh, optimize today. Uh, but to your point, there's no other podcast really in the podcast industry where you're going to hear the word optimize over and over and over and over again. Right. So yeah, that that's a must add. Uh, hey guys, we're going to throw this question out on social media because um, I mean, you guys listen uh, as much as we do being on it. And so you're probably even more uh, keenly aware of the things that <laughs> we say. This is going to hurt. Uh, yeah, yeah, this, <laughs> this one's going to get real personal. Uh, so on Facebook, we're going to throw this question out on our I am Trot out Facebook group. If you are not a member of that group and you listen to the podcast, go join that group. There's a lot of great activity on it. Uh, but we're going to throw this question out today. Um, what when you hear it? What is a a reoccurring phrase, a reoccurring word? What are some of the the, the things that we say a lot that should be a part of the official Tridot Podcast drinking game? And shout out to Jack Gaffey for uh, starting this madness. On to the main set. Going in three, two, one. Our main set today is brought to you by Tritats. Whether you're a seasoned Ironman or gearing up for your first local sprint try, Tritats will help you make your mark. These tough, stylish, and easy-to-use race number tattoos make you look and feel like a pro. I personally have raced countless local sprint and Olympic tries where I showed up thinking I had plenty of time to settle in the transition only to find a massive line waiting to be body marked. Switching to Tritats has allowed me to show up on race morning with my focus on the finish line, not the body marking line. 
If you have an Ironman race this year, their Iron Tats are made especially for you. Iron Tats body mark you for that one key race and include the all-famous MDOT logo. Friends don't let friends race with Sharpie on numbers. So as a friend of the podcast, head to TriTats.com and use promo code TRIDOT for 10% off your order. Again, that's TriTats.com, promo code TRIDOT. Leading into race day, there are a lot of important decisions we need to make that will directly impact how it goes out there on a course. There are the equipment choices, which wheel set, helmet, tires, tubes, will I use? There are race execution choices. How hard will I push on the bike? What pace should I hold for the run? Should I change how hard I am pushing for different portions of the course to account for hills or winds? Making good choices on all these decisions and more can have a huge impact on our race. But how can we know we are getting these pre-race decisions correct? We believe the answer to that is RaceX, and today we are talking through all the nuances of this powerful race execution tool. So, Jeff, even though it has some exciting new updates that we plan to share today, you know, RaceX has been a crowd favorite of, uh, of TriDot uh, as a feature for a good minute now. Um, can you kind of start us off today by giving us the origin story of RaceX? Yeah, so definitely TriDot um, users are, are used to it. They're used to um, seeing RaceX for seven years at least. Yeah. Uh, it came about, we were doing a preseason project and really, you know, opt- optimizing. There you go, drink. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> optimizing uh, training. And we were doing a preseason project where we were tracking the difference that people that use the software didn't use the software, um, how much difference they made and what alternative they didn't use TriDot, what they did and how much, you know, the incremental benefit from using TriDot. And we were doing that for a training period, you know, block of, you know, three, four, five months. And then we wanted to really tie that to the actual race day outcomes. Okay. And so that's where it kind of started. We need to environment normalize these race day outcomes to see how people race in all these different environments. And we can relate that performance back to their training and to their initial assessment. So that's where it kind of got its roots. Um, just kind of connecting your training more in a more purposeful way where we could normalize it and see the effects of your training on racing. Yeah, and, and so since then, it's certainly evolved over the years. Uh, but this latest update, y'all, it's really something. Um, athletes are in for a real treat the first time they log on to the new RaceX, or RaceX 2.0, as, as we call it internally. Um, Jeff, what was the motivation for really updating RaceX, and what are some of the key enhancements and how it helps us execute on race day? Yeah, so I feel this is more than an enhancement, as you'll see in just a second. Spoiler alert, it's about to come. Um, but kind of like when we did the physiogenomics with the genetic, you know, we've been working on something for four years and then we get to launch this out where you can have your, you know, genome yeah. typed and pulled in. And those, the, so much of what we do is behind the scenes and, and our users, athletes don't get to see that much. It makes a difference, but there's these subtle changes and they can't really see the difference that's making. This one's very visible and tangible. So it's super exciting. It's, it's, it's very much like the, the iceberg, you know, athletes see the tip of the iceberg on, on what TriDot does to optimize. Take yeah. a drink. And most of time they don't even see the tip. It's just behind the scenes. It's the optimization itself. This one's more, a little bit more pretty and beautiful um, with what we're going to launch. The, like you mentioned, we, you know, internally, RaceX 1.0, kind of the old way. And it's not like this hard cutoff 1.0 to 2.0. Yeah. It's just evolution over years. Um, but we are taking a big step literally today. Um, so in the past, it's always been sufficient to give you guidelines for your training and pacing. It gives you a really close estimation of what your race day should be, but it was always geared toward the purpose of your training. How do we optimize your training? If you're doing 112 miles, someone's doing a 112 mile race for an Ironman and they're going to do it in four and a half hours. Someone else is going to do it in seven hours. They train very differently. 
different. Yeah. It may be very different. How much, you know, intensity, how much hills, it depends on your body weight. You know, so there's so many things that we did um, for the purpose of optimizing training. And so that's, that's always been there. Um, we've used it in that way, but now we're actually, it's not just an enhancement. Uh, RaceX has become its own application. It's so, there's so much that we're going to be launching that we're going to be, that we have launched, uh, that, uh, you're going to get to see, we'll go over today, but it is literally its, its own application, myracex.com. Um, and so what, what TriDot is to training, RaceX is to racing. So like mm, when you try optimizes your training, RaceX is going to optimize your racing. It's going to be that standalone application. Like you said, it's, it's fully integrated with TriDot, so it's seamless. You're kind of going back and forth. You're working day-to-day on your training. You're in one application, and when you go to look at your race optimization, you click and go over there to RaceX. And and, and, they, take, and they'll work hand-in-hand. Hand. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Fully integrated, your bike profiles, your, all of that stuff. But then again, if someone doesn't even use TriDot and they just want to use the race optimization, they can go use RaceX by itself. Yeah. You know, they can do their own training. They can, whatever they want to do, any kind of training, work a you know, free template off the internet, and then five weeks out, they go, holy crap, I need to, you know, optimize, you know, what I'm doing here and how the pacing I go up and down the hills and how hard I go on the bike and run. They can use, you know, RaceX for that, myracex.com. And so we're finding just, just from this additional. So this is the, the impact of RaceX to this point has been, or the benefit has been to help people train better. Yeah. Where what we're doing right now is actually making a difference on race day by these tools. And athletes are going to gain 20 to 30 minutes faster than they already are. Um, using RaceX uh, to optimize their racing. So right now, TriDot athletes have a head start. So um, that is fully integrated right now. We're offering this to the masses just in a couple of weeks. So right at the start of 2021, um, it'll be available to anyone, the people that, that may not use TriDot. So we're super excited. It's not just the race day either. So yeah. there are tools for use on race day for your pacing, uh, but also all of your preparation leading up to race day. A lot of decisions you make, course selection, race selection, equipment selection, um, and then at your actual, you know, execution on, on race day. Yeah. So as triathletes, I mean, we spend months training to be fit and ready for race day. Right. And that's, I mean, TriDot is all about getting, getting it right in the training, you know, knowing that we're going to be ready on race day. Uh, but once race day arrives, you know, what, what do we do? How do we best execute our race? How hard do we go on the swim, bike and run? You know, what about the Hills? What, what do athletes, you know, without, without a race sex, you know, what would an athlete typically do? To, to try to pace themselves on, on their race. Now, this is where I start to get really, really excited about RaceX because it does take care of those questions that I know I have headed into an event and, and many of the questions that I discuss as I'm talking to athletes about race day preparation. Um, so I kind of want to go and start with the last question in that series there that you asked, Andrew, you know, what do athletes typically do? And Typically, athletes ask the question, you know, what should my target pace be? Um, And then they're trying to determine, okay, you know, (laughs) what should my pace be for the bike or the run? And and they're going to come up with this in in a number of ways. They may say, I rode a six hour, 112 miles in my last training ride. So I'm going to calculate that mile per hour average and use that for my Ironman pacing. Or many of them will go to a flow chart type resource that they've Googled. just in order to kind of arrive what they believe is going to be their target pace 
for either the bike or the run. So for example, an athlete may look at one of those resources and conclude that for their upcoming 70.3 event, they should ride between 80 and 85% of their FTP. And, and that's very typical for them to kind of look at a percentage and base their entire pacing off of just that one percentage. And I really want to expand on that for just a moment. Um, if your FTP is 250, I mean, that's a 12 and a half watt difference between 80 to 85%. And that can have a huge impact based on where you're sitting within that range. Um, you know, just even over half of that seven watts over the duration of two and a half or three hours can be very impactful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I, I know I've already kind of gone on a while here, but this is just the beginning. You know, if an athlete has calculated that average metric to follow their pacing and they have those general guidelines, there's still so many more questions that that remain unanswered. Um, you know, questions like, well, you know, since this is a hilly course, how much longer should I expect my bike split to be? Maybe they were training on, you know, a flat section of road, but they're going to be racing on Ironman Lake Placid or something like Chattanooga. Um, and then, you know, like how will the wind speed and the direction affect my split? How hard can I go on the bike without toasting my legs for the run? Or if I'm training near sea level and I want to go race at elevation, what, what impact is that going to have? So there's just so many little nuances like that for them to kind of sit back and start to question and consider. I think of this too, Elizabeth, just, just thinking back to my earlier races, uh, when I was very novice, very amateur, didn't know as much as I know now, I, I think of the nutrition too, you know, mm -hmm. uh, like how long do I need to plan on being on course and thus how many calories do I need to take on the bike with me to stay fueled for that duration? Um, I also think of the, the run. I mean, I mean, how do I pace the early stages of my run so that I have gas in the tank to finish strong without, without going too easy, but, but, you know, also without leaving too much energy on course. I mean, th th those are the questions I always had going in, into a race as kind of a newbie, uh, before I had race X. Yeah. I mean, exactly. And <laughs> the answers to all of those questions are so critically important for race execution. It, it just amazes me that there's so much attention to every detail in training. And yet most athletes are just kind of winging it on race day, or, you know, they have this very basic structure of what they plan to do, like holding X percent of their threshold on the bike for the duration of the course, or, you know, a specific average pace for the run. But they really are kind of left with that because there's so many of these questions that they themselves can't quantify. Unfortunately, most athletes or so many athletes, you know, treat rate race execution like a big race experiment. Ooh, that'll mm. preach <laughs> because race execution shouldn't be an experiment. Exactly. Like we, we train so hard, Jeff, like we measure every training session. We measure every, every interval of every day in, in our training just to get out on, on the race course and just kind of guess at the pacing. Like exactly. There should be no surprises on race day. You know what your fitness is. If you quantify your fitness well and you have proper race execution, the only disappointment on race day is I didn't execute like I planned to execute. There's yeah. no disappointment in your training. A lot of people, they see, well, one is they faulty, you know, they treat it like a, an experiment, which is sad. They don't really have a concrete plan going in. But the other thing is they draw conclusions afterwards. Oh, I did bad on the bike or the, the run. So it's like, did you? I, I need, I need <laughs> to change my run training. Oh, yeah. Did you, did yeah. you, or did you go too hard on the bike or did you not pace your run? Yet they're going back. Oh, I need to do this differently on my training. And so, you know, it's, they treat it like an experiment in throwing it out there, but then, you know, they come back with invalid you know, conclusions. So yeah, it's not even valid, but I think, um, one key kind of, as we begin to uh, approach what 
race execution is is built on and uh race x can be used for cycling and running and triathlon and you know everything but let's just focus on on the bike um primarily for a few reasons and realizing we're one we're speaking to triathletes here yeah uh, for the most part but race execution your your execution on race day must be bike centric it has to be centered around the bike the bike is the first and primary um, consideration for a few reasons. So when I was kind of thinking about how to how to phrase this, I kept thinking of the song. It's all about the bass. Uh-huh. Like it's all about the bike. You know, it's all about you got to play at when post production. You got to. I didn't know you knew that song. It's all Jeff. about the bass. because you know I'm all about that bass, about that bass. No, okay. it's all about the bike. No treadmill. Um, so it, for a number of reasons, uh, it's not about getting your fastest bike split. So it's not about how fast can I, you know, do a really fast bike split and then walk the run. Um, it's about the right bike split. And the reason is because the bike sets you up for everything else. One is it's the longest. So it's about 56% yeah. you know, on average of the overall triathlon. So it's the biggest piece. So get that right. Secondly, is that the, the, the bike doing it wrong, it impacts the run. Doing the run wrong doesn't impact the bike. You're already done with it. Yeah, yeah you're done with that. Mm-hmm. So you only and then the other thing is the bike. You jack up that you're gonna mess up your whole run. If you mess up your run pacing, you're gonna do good for a while, and then only at the end do you feel it. So you mess up your run pacing, mm-hmm. you might falter mm-hmm. on the last 10k. But if you mess up the run or the bike, your whole marathon is yeah. is messed up. That's a that's a great. So point. that's that's another thing. And then the other thing, what makes it difficult and why you need to pay so much attention is when you do the run, you, you plan to finish on empty. You yeah. kind of got a feeling you're, you're pushing and you're, you're done, you know, push as hard as you can, but you don't do that on the bike. You have this, you can err on the side of too conservative or too aggressive, and you don't really know without a good plan. So here's this thing that's highly critical that impacts the whole race in a massive way. And when you finish, you're not exactly sure how tired you should be or how hard you should have gone. So if you go a little over and you're not even going to maybe perceive that you went too hard, and then you're going to mess up your whole run, or you're going to go too easy and you leave time out there on the course that you could have gone faster. Yeah. Um, and so it's just so impactful. So just starting with that, getting that right, um, then allows us to, to you know, the swim's kind of easy. It's not as much overlapping muscles. It's much, much shorter. Um, and you don't have the metrics usually while you're, you're swimming. And then the bike follows a great, a great bike can only follow a great, uh, a great run can only follow a great bike. So you just focus in on getting that right. Yeah, I, I think to, you know, me personally, I mean, my my highest dot is by far my run dot. I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a much stronger runner than I am cyclist and, and swimmer. And, you know, to, to be, if you're a runner or a swimmer and you hear the phrase, it's all about the bike, you know, you, you might initially roll your eyes and say, well, that's not the one I'm good at. You know, I, I'm going to really count on having a good run or a good swim that day. Well, you know, the the, the problem is you can't have a good run if you didn't do the bike correctly. And, and I know for me and my, my first, you know, kind of Olympic, you know, 70.3s when I was starting to go longer, uh, with, before TriDot, before I, I had RaceX to kind of guide my pacing, like I was never able to run like I should like by the time could. I got on the run course. And, and that's, that's why, you know, I always want to kind of bring it home with a strong run because that's my favorite part of the race. And yeah, I mean, my first 70.3 in New Zealand, I was crawling through the run, not, not, I'm barely able to hold, I'm not even remotely close to the pace that I wanted to hold. And my most recent race, and, and really my first race with RaceX, uh, was recently Challenge Daytona. And I got off the bike, I, I, I held to the bike plan, I got off the bike course, and I was able to run not not only what RaceX thought I should do, but but a few, you know, five, 10 seconds per mile faster than what RaceX thought I could do. And for the first time, I ran the whole half marathon, 
I had great energy the whole time. And I felt like a runner out there instead of a, a runner who had just killed himself on a bike trying to survive the run. And, and it was it was the most fun I've ever had on a race course. And, and so if you're out there and you're a runner or you're, you're a swimmer or you're a cyclist, I mean, we all need to recognize exactly what you're saying, Jeff. It's all about the bike when it comes to pacing race day. But really, Andrew, like I love how you gave, you know, kind of that personal example, too, because I think this is a very common mistake that triathletes make, um, you know, going too hard on the bike and messing up their opportunity for their best run split. I, I remember one of my first years in the sport, I, I heard another coach talk about this, and it's just always stuck with me how he'd see athletes walking the entire run course, talking to someone else about how they've just had their fastest bike split ever. And it's like, well, like, that's great, but that doesn't matter right now because you're walking the whole run. Um, and, you know, hey, to each their own. If that was their goal for the day and what they were concerned about, then maybe they have accomplished that. But when you're looking at optimizing your entire race and having your best finishing time, you absolutely have to be cognizant of what impact, you know, the bike is going to have on your run performance. So Elizabeth, how much improvement can athletes actually expect to see just by executing their race optimally? Well, typically the kind of cumulative improvement for an athlete using RaceX to optimize their race execution for a full triathlon is between 20 and 45 minutes. And, and this is where we can kind of go back and highlight the importance of optimizing the bike split and its impact on your runtime. So you want to avoid setting your target power pace too low. Um, being overly conservative can cause you just to leave, you know, your performance potential unrealized. So pacing yourself just even five watts lower than what you're capable of can cost you between five and seven minutes on like a full triathlon bike split. So yeah, I mean, wow. that's, that's a chunk of time there just by being too conservative. Um, but you definitely want to avoid setting your power or pace too high as well. And this is where there's big opportunity. I mean, being too aggressive can cause you to blow up toward the end of your race. So, you know, just as we were talking about, you know, those athletes that were walking the entire run segment, um, <laughs> pacing too aggressively on the bike leg can cause you to blow up for the majority of your run leg, not even, you know, just those last couple of miles. And the time cost there can be 30 minutes to an hour. I mean, sometimes even more. Um, so huge, huge opportunity there to really have a faster finishing time by making sure that you're not too aggressive on the bike. And, and then even if you set your power correctly, like your target power correctly, given the race environment and your ability, um, kind of how you distribute that effort throughout your race has a significant performance impact as well. So properly increasing your bike power on climbs, um, you know, decreasing it on the descents can save you as much as eight to 12 minutes on a bike split as well. So the time savings are, are similar for the run as well when using run power, great adjusted pacing. So, I mean, you've got, <laughs> you don't want to set it too low. You don't want to set it too high. Um, you don't want to just, you know, coast at one number the entire time either because the terrain has to be taken into consideration. Yeah. And again, I mean, we, we train too hard, you know, we spend too much money on wheels and helmets and stuff that are going to save us a, a minute here and a minute there to lose 15, 20, 25 minutes just to improper pacing. So RaceX mm -hmm. helps us optimize our pacing uh, to race faster, just like you said. I totally get that. Um, so, so talk to me about this. Tangibly, what does RaceX do? How does it actually make us faster on race day? Well, as we get into that, so 
it does a lot. You know, Elizabeth has thrown out some some different numbers and considerations and changes. It, it it saves the different athletes differently based on the course because it's very specific to the course and the athlete. So while one might uh, one athlete might have a lot of savings on just getting the the adjustment from their local environment you know, to heat, like how much should you adjust your pace and getting that right? Another, what percent of your FTP do you write? Another, how do you handle the hills and the descents? How do you, what do you run off the bike? You know, there's all of these different areas um, where you can make those changes. So it really, it really depends. And when you, you say you have a, you know, you come off like we, we chatted about earlier, you have a, you have a bad race, you know, there's no such thing as a, a bad race is not a training issue. A bad race is a, is a racing issue, an execution issue. And so getting all those expectations right before the start of the race uh, is really key. I mean, it can be a training issue, but you usually know that going in when that's the case. Well, that, that's what I'm saying. You know that going in, uh-huh. you know, so your expectations should be set appropriately. So, yeah, I want to just jump in here for a second and um, I want to go back and highlight that again. I know that this is an area that I'm still improving on as an athlete and when I have a bad race, I'm I'm still kind of quick to draw conclusions about my preparations and training. And I think that's a very, very common thing for athletes to do. Oh, I had a bad run. I need to change completely what I'm doing for my run training. Um, you know, we're, we're problem solvers. We're searching for answers and solutions. And we want to make sure that if we had a bad run, it doesn't happen again. But we're so quick to jump to those inappropriate conclusions about training based on something that really probably had nothing to do with the training, but the race execution itself. And I know that this is something that Coach John is fantastic about in having those post-event discussions about the execution and how that would have had a large impact on the race outcome. That is another example of, of an indirect benefit of RaceX and having the race execution. Think about the impact on that race day of your poor racing, but then think about the impact of that false conclusion about how you're going to approach training for the next yeah. block. Three, four, five months you may spend on training in a way that you shouldn't be spending. Mm-hmm. You know, the, train, for, the training was fine to begin exactly. with. Exactly. Yeah. So you're actually not just jacking up the, you know, the bike or the run or the, you know, that race day. It could be months of training because you're coming with a false conclusion about how you're going to adapt. Well, to training, and I, so. I think of peers that I have friends that I have that I've seen just jump from training plan, to training plan, the training plan to, to yep. let me try this coach. Let me try that coach. Let me try Zwift's this program and that program. And, and, and they never land on anything for longer than three or four months to see if it yeah. works for them. Yep. I want to step up a little bit. So we mentioned it's not just on race day. Um, it's about all the preparation leading up to that. So it does a number of things. I want to kind of put it into a, um, maybe a, a couple categories here in a second. Um, but you're going to optimize your pacing to get your fastest possible time. You're going to be able to use it to get predictions on race splits and races. Uh, we have a bunch of um, preloaded races, all the major you know, Ironman races and challenge races, and all those are already in there. You can just click a button, enter your information, click a button, it says here's your splits and times. Um, you, it'll help you on race rehearsals. You can actually export parts of the course and practice on race rehearsals and a lot of stuff you can do there. Bike equipment, setup analysis. How is this going to impact me if I use an aero helmet or whatever? Um, and then you have actually, this is kind of really cool, is the exportable bike power plans. So that real-time use on, it's got giving you turn-by-turn instructions for a navigation system, but it's going to say, go to this, go to 210 watts, drop to 190 watts, you know, whatever. Not say it audibly, but um, it'll guide you through that <laughs> on the course. That would be up to Garmin to have that feature, not us. <laughs> Correct. Garmin needs to make our, our our head units talk to us. That would be great. But, that, I mean, to your point, Jeff, this is the feature that I am most personally excited about, the, the ability to export 
the bike power plan. Um, so, so I don't want to glance over that. Like I cannot wait to use this for my races next year for, for me to add Ironman Texas and, and take that bike course and, and just upload it to my, it is to so my cool. Garmin unit. And the Garmin will tell me along the way while I'm riding, increase your power to this, decrease your power to that because it knows where I'm at on the course and it knows according to my power plan, how many watts I should be holding for that portion of the course. Based on elevation, based on um, your heading, knows where you're going to be heading, where the wind's going to be coming from, what temperature is at that time of day, what is the air density, yeah. what's your wind direct, all of those things. So it's super cool. It's um, it's that power plan is exportable. It's printable. You just print it, you know, put it on your top tube if you don't have a, a head unit that, that does that. But it it's not just directions. I mean, you can have the most, you know, specific directions possible, but what are those what are they based on? So yeah. that power plan is embodies so much technology. So I want to get a little bit into that of what those things are, those technologies that produce, what is, what are those directions and yeah. how do you know that they're right and such, you know, the term game changers use, oh, that's game changing technology. I say this is race changing. This is not a game <laughs> that we're doing, but this is absolutely race changing. So I break it into really two categories. Um, it's kind of funny. We're talking about some sophisticated stuff, but I was in the army. It's kind of a side story. And yeah. we were doing, I was in intelligence. We were listening to some traffic in Russia and they're talking about missiles and all this kind of stuff. And the, the instructor um, that we were working with on this exercise was trying to get us to answer some questions, some pretty basic stuff. And he said, come on guys, this is not rocket science. <laughs> okay. Well, so yeah, this is rocket science, but <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so we're going to be talking about rocket science. So there's some sophisticated, you know, simulations and optimization and all this stuff going on, but we're really want just that fundamental understanding of what's going on yeah. sufficient that you can just apply it. You can use it, you know how it benefits you and you can apply so it. So that when you're on the bike and the Garmin's telling you to do something, you yeah. know why it's telling yes. you to do that something. Exactly. Like you use your cell phone, but you may not know all the gps you know yeah. stuff that's going on uh so racex i'll break it down into two categories of technology one is the simulations themselves so they're running simulations just like i mentioned where are you on the course what does the elevation change how fast are you going what is your drag profile all of these things those simulations uh, are race specific and they produce race predictions so you run right. a simulation data goes in simulates says here's what your splits are yada yada then there's another level this is a higher order of, of technology this is the optimization optimization produces your race plans so given we run a whole bunch of simulations to determine what is the optimal scenario for you so just for the time being just think of the simulations and then optimization so they have different uses and you can use them for different things uh, throughout the race season and i like to think of it as a lot of the simulations as an athlete when you're using it a lot of the simulations are, are kind of the the pre-race benefit where, mm -hmm. where you're able to go in there and, and i can see oh if i if i were to add uh iron man chattanooga to my plan for next year or if I were to add my local Olympic race to my plan for next year, I can simulate, well, how would I do on that course if I went out and, and did that? And, and so you're able to kind of simulate and kind of pre-race determine how that race could go for you as opposed to the optimization is, okay, I'm doing this race. Here's the plan. I just got to follow it, right? Absolutely. Yep. So that simulation. And then, of course, you can run your, your optimal plan across a simulation, and it's going to give you your actual optimized yeah. output. So your best one, but you can change those to whatever you want. Again, I already mentioned it's, it's going to look at your course, your terrain, the elevation, air density, wind direction, wind exposure, you know, and then the athlete, your weight, your bike weight, your drag profile, how, what position are you when you climb and not in, 
your standard racing, your target power, you know, all of that kind of stuff is going to go into the mix when it does those uh, simulations. So RaceX actually has the ability to simulate any race for an athlete, whether it's your local, yeah. uh, your, your favorite local race or, or a name brand Ironman challenge course. Um, Elizabeth, talk to us about what race simulations can do to make us faster on race day. Well, yeah, um, just kind of as you guys were talking, it, it can be used to simulate any race. I know that we've already discussed that the major races, such as those from Ironman and Challenge Family, are kind of preloaded into RaceX with the verified courses. Um, but an athlete can add their custom races and routes as well. And as Jeff had just outlined, you know, these simulations are are able to be used to make predictions. Um, you know, if my goal is to go sub whatever, what course is going to be best for that? Um, gosh, and, and this is fun. Like as a kid, I, I think I'd pester my parents all the time with the what if questions. And it's like, <laughs> here you get to play. What if, you know, like what if I race like Placid? What would my total finishing time be? Like what if I raced Ironman Florida? Could I expect to PR my bike split? And, you know, it's great because we do have these sim only events and then you have the scheduled events. So you can run a number of scenarios on the races that you're considering, you know, just for fun. And, those yeah, and that's like, your- that's like for, for TriDot athletes or, or any, you know, if you're, if you're actually racing a race, say, Hey, this is a scheduled race. I'm doing this one, you know? And so put it on my calendar or whatever. But if, even if you're not sure if you want to do the race, you just want to throw and run simulations. So we have a kind of a, a mode, I guess, of, of adding a race that's sim only. And so I, said, I just want to run simulations on it and see what, what was going to happen. I just want to see. I just want to play in the sandbox. Yes. Yeah. We just want to play what if. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, exactly. Like if you want to schedule the event, then try to athletes can place that on the season planner. And then that event is going to be taken into consideration for their training. So, you know, you can run as many simulations as you want without it influencing the training plan. And then when you've found the event you want to register for, it's time to schedule it, have it incorporated into those training algorithms. Then you can put that as a scheduled race and kind of use a lot of those enhanced features within RaceX as part of your training preparations. Mm-hmm. So Andrew, I guess to kind of recap a little bit, yeah, using a simulation can help an athlete make decisions about what course they want to race, what equipment they want to purchase. Um, there's a lot of opportunities there. Yeah, Elizabeth, just mentioning equipment, because I, I know some folks, I mean, there's there's certainly things when you're heading into that big A race, you, know, you, you can purchase some speed, you can buy speed, or you can mm-hmm. rent speed. Um, so, so what, what are some mm-hmm. of those like, equipment items that athletes might be considering before a big race that RaceX can simulate the effects of? Uh, A few examples would be deciding between wearing an aero helmet or road helmet, you know, purchasing, or as you mentioned, renting like deeper dish or some aero wheels for race day. Um, But even, you know, considering a bike purchase, comparing a tri bike to a road bike. Um, I guess, for example, just the other day, I ran a simulation on Ironman check. Chattanooga, um, just kind of between, okay, wearing a road helmet and an aero helmet and the aero helmet shaved two minutes and 50 seconds off the bike split. So it's really cool that athletes can run these simulations and quantify how much a gear upgrade could impact their finishing time. Yeah. And and it's, it's funny hearing that number, you know, two minutes and 50 seconds. I want to point out that number is going to be different for everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm going to be on the bike course longer than you because you're a faster cyclist than I am. Um, you're going to be going at faster speeds. So you're going to have, you know, the arrow gains from those arrow equipment is going to be more realized for you. And so I could probably do the same exact simulation and it's, it's going to give me a slightly different number because it knows how long I'm going to be on course and the speed that I'm going to be going. Um, so it's not just giving every athlete an arbitrary number. It's giving everybody how much time they should be saving based on that 
equipment decision. Um, so yep. one, I want to point that out because uh, that is super dope. <laughs> one one of the cool scenario um, that I like to to mention. It's funny that you mentioned that a helmet is pretty straight up. It's it's not a weight thing typically. Yeah. It's just the aerodynamics. But if you think of disc wheels, for example, so you're doing the bike disc wheels um, on a flat course. They're much more aerodynamic. They're heavier, so it doesn't cost you much. But if you go uh, on a flat course, but if you do on a, uh, a, a course with a lot of elevation change, Lake Placid, you're <laughs> carrying that up and down. So it has some negative effect being a heavier wheel. So there's some pros and cons there in the same way, not even equipment, but are racing at altitude. So say, hey, you know, one is it's at altitude. So there's not as much oxygen in the air, but there's not as much density in the air. So you don't have yeah. the, the, um, the drag. So your drag is less. So a lot of people, depending on how fast they are, race faster on the bike at altitude than they do at sea level. Wow. But it depends on how fast you go. If you don't go fast enough for aerodynamic drag to, to be that much of a factor, you're going to go slower by both account. You know, yeah. it's not going to, the pros of less air density is not going to help you as much as the negative effect of less oxygen. And whichever so. camp you're in, you're going to see that on races. Yeah. 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 This is a question though, that I know athletes listening, like this is just a key question. Um, that, that people wonder. I see people ask this about RaceX 1.0 cause they kind of wonder how accurate, you know, when, when you see your, your projected splits, when you see, you know, your, your projected finish times, how accurate are those splits and projected finish times in RaceX simulations? Oh, okay. Um, I, I'm sure Jeff has a lot that he could add here too, but this is something that I, I love talking about, um, because. I, I have found this to be just fascinating. Um, I mean, a race X simulation is, you know, unique as every athlete using it. So very individualized, which makes it incredibly accurate. Um, I mean, the results are, are predictable. So to give you a reference, and, and this is why I got so excited when you asked this question, my projected finishing time for Waco 70.3 last year was 4.51.11. My actual finishing time was 4.49.49. So super close there. A minute and 22 seconds away, if my math is correct. Yes. Well, and and just wait until I, I want to tell you kind of these the splits, too, for the swim, bike, and run. Um, and so, you know, my race projection considered not only my recent training, like the fact that my swim training was nearly non-existent for the prior two months um, before the race while I was in a cast, but, you know, the environmental conditions in Waco as well, you know, the rolling hills of the bike course and the challenging run segments in Cameron Park. So let's, let's take a look for a second at just kind of those swim bike run. Um, I'm already a little bit of a slower swimmer and kind of swimming with a hand that was just still healing. My projected swim time was 35.22. I came out of the water at 35.18. You so, beat it. Congrats. Yeah, I beat it. Ooh, four seconds faster than the projected time. I, I mean, four seconds. You can't get a whole lot closer than that. And then my projected bike split was 236.12. My actual bike split was 236.43. Again, like so close. 31 second delta between the projected and the actual time over 56 miles. And then my projected run time was 131.51. I ran a 130.24 that day, so a little faster on the run. And, and what I did there is I followed the RaceX pacing until the final few miles. And then, and then it was just time to empty the tank. And so I was able to be a little faster in those last couple of miles. There. And, and to that point, I have a GoPro shot of Elizabeth James. Uh, I, I was about maybe a half mile from the finish line, and I got you going by me uh, on my GoPro camera. And you were hauling by then, just <laughs> booking it. Uh huh. Yeah. Like I said, it was time to empty the tank at that point. Um, 
but you know, this is, this is just one example. And I, I know for Ironman Texas, Ironman Chattanooga, Ironman Wisconsin, all of my times were very, very close to that projected finishing time. And, and those are for the Ironman races I've done. I mean, the marathon I ran this fall, my projected time and my finishing time were just six seconds different. Wow. So when we're talking about accuracy, yeah, incredibly accurate. Yeah, those those times, obviously, it's not going to come out that accurate always. <laughs> that That is, uh, you know, that's pretty crazy. Um, and, and I'll explain why uh, in just a second. But certainly, the, the more you race and the more you get used to executing in a disciplined manner and regulating your effort level, you're going to get better and better at hitting those paces uh, predictably, which then you race, then you can make some training decisions like, okay, I did you know, execute to what I thought, you know, and, and you can make some conclusions because everything's, you're going in with a plan. Yeah. You have an expectation that you can measure against that standard, but I'm going to make a statement that's kind of contrary to what I just said. You know, it's not always that exact. Actually, the simulations are 100% accurate all the time. Okay. So race X simulations, hundred percent accurate all the time. So where I qualify that is the simulations are just math. That's putting in these known inputs and getting an output. So as long as you put in those exact inputs, you're going to get those same out. It's like um, a calculator. You know, when you add three numbers, two, three, and four, you add those together, you're going to get nine. Every okay? single Every time. Every single time. But if another day you say, okay, I added three numbers and I got eight, it was whatever, three, three, and two. Well, you added different numbers if you, you know. Yeah. So the calculator and the simulator, same thing. If you put in the same numbers, you're going to get the same output every single time. So simulation is 100% accurate. So where they get off um, a little bit is because we try to estimate what those future conditions are going to be. So on a race day, if it's, you know, you know, five degrees warmer or a little windier or not quite as windy, or you, instead of down in your aero position for as much as you thought, maybe you're sitting up a lot, your back was sore. Maybe you, there's all kinds of little things like that that absolutely do not go into the simulation. You can't foresee those. Um, so that's kind of not the purpose of the simulation. So there is variance like that, and that's to be expected, but it's going to be uh, really su super, super close. So um, there will be those variances. Realize that going in. So you don't want to get, um, and it depends on a lot of this on personality. You don't want to get all wrapped up into you know precision, just like when you- I have to hit this yeah, no matter like what. You drive down yeah. the road and say, I'm going to always go the speed limit, or I'm 10 over. Like you don't hit that exact miles per hour the whole time. You're fluctuating kind of around it. So there is some variance and in, in use it that Cruise way. Cruise control, Jeff. That's Cruise right. control. That's right. <laughs> it's an example, an analogy. Cruise control. There's um, no erg wish mode you had, on the race Yeah, pack. that'd be cool. <laughs> just say go, erg mode, and just push until it's done. Um, so you're, you know, we're anticipating certain things. So there is going to be variances. There's no such thing as a perfect race. Um, I love the, you know, along that line. So this is kind of the mentality on race execution that you can just count on you know, three things going wrong or yeah. four things going, they're going to go wrong. Okay. That's part of the race. So when it happens, accept it, it went wrong. I got two more. All right. I got one more. And just that's, that's <laughs> part of it. So you're going to have those deviations. Um, I like a couple of quotes, one back to military, um, you know, stay in your three foot world. Yeah. I don't know if you heard that before, but you know, basically it's all this stuff can be going on all around you, but stay in this three foot world. And that's kind of the, the convergence of things that you can control and things that matter. So who cares what happens, you know, if it's very important, but happens an hour from now, you can't control that right now. You know, that, that's a problem what for you future can control, Andrew. <laughs> yeah. And, and what matters. So be aware of things, but focus on what you can control, what matters. And then the other quote is, you know, having a, having a plan, um, 
Mike Tyson, uh, for those of you older, old enough to remember him, he had a quote there all, everyone was saying, oh, this guy's, you know, talking about his, his plan. He's going to do this. He's going to dance. He's going to move and he's going to whatever, work your body, you know, whatever he said. And, and Mike Tyson goes, yeah, everybody's got a plan until they get hit in the mouth. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> we're doing Iron Man. Okay. You're going to get hit in the mouth sometime out there. Something's going to happen and you're going to go, okay. And, you yeah. know, and you're gonna have to adjust a little bit and, and go, but you know, use a plan for what it's worth. It'll, it'll definitely help you out. Well, and I've even heard you guys talk about this, how, you know, again, barring something going wrong out there, barring something kind of costing you some time for some reason. I mean, mathematically, the bike split should be spot on. Yep. It's earlier in the race. I mean, we, we can quantify, this is how arrow you are. This is the equipment you're on. This is the course. This is the weather. Uh, and this is the power you hold. So if, if you hold the power you should hold, the, the bike split mathematically should be spot on. And, and the run on RaceX 2.0, the run actually gives us a range due to the amount of things that can right. vary by the time that we're that deep into yeah. the race, right? And there'll be a specific target number. But yeah. then also there's this expectation range of likelihood that you're going to yeah. do exactly that. But the, think about the purpose of a simulation. The simulation is to produce predictions that are then used to produce your plan. Yeah. So the purpose of a simulation is not like a crystal ball to, you know, it's not like picking squares for Super Bowl. Like, what is the outcome of the game score going to be? I, you know, you're guessing and trying to hit the lottery or something. It's not that. It's not predicting, you know, like a crystal ball, but it's, it's to produce as best we can uh, predictions where we can make decisions on pacing. And so regardless of the degree of variance on race day, and if you're off, you're, you're you know, a few minutes under or over any prediction, by executing that optimized plan, you're going to do better than you would have done otherwise. Yeah. So if you're, if you're you know, optimized plan is going to have you running 12 minutes faster over the whole race and it's warmer on that day, well, just move the whole target and your actual result, you know, to the warmer side. And th that relative benefit is still going to be there because everything still holds true. Jeff, what goes into that optimized power plan? So... Yeah, that's this is this is key. This is where a, a lot of the benefit is um, on race day is that power plan. So the last thing you want to do is you know train for months and months and months and go out there and you know just kind of guess and let that you know poor execution rob you of of your potential. So the this point in in developing that plan is where the optimization piece kind of back to the simulation and optimization is optimization. Um, the first thing that it's going to do is it's it's normalizing your FTP. So your current level of fitness, your functional threshold, power or pace. So um, it translates that from what is it in your local training environment to your race environment, where there's going to be a lot hotter, more humid, higher elevation, whatever that is, it's going to make that translation. So it's going to take your fitness, that benchmark threshold level and, um, and change it to that local condition. So that's going to benefit you on race day yeah. for sure. But it's also in your race rehearsals. You're going to be able to do race rehearsals using you're localized in your training environment intensities and then go do a different set of power so values you get to practice race. that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. Like, and then you're running off the bike with the same feeling, you know, you're going to actually get to see what that feels like, track your heart rate, all kinds of stuff that you want to do, um, in those race rehearsals. But then on race day, you know, you're showing up to that environment with your benchmark threshold adjusted. Then it's going to do that, um, target power or pace identification. So it's no more guessing, you know, 80 to 85% or is this, you know, shorter race, I'm doing 90, you know, 89% or, you know, whatever. You're not guessing the percent of threshold for your target pace, your target power. All right. So you're, you're dialing that, that number in. And it's taken into consideration a lot of things. Um, the duration of your race is, you know, this 112 miles or 56 miles, whatever it is, is it going to be a two hour or a four hour? Yeah. 56 miles. Um, and then all the terrain, how hard you're going, hills, all that. 
taken into account. So that's getting kind of step two, your target power pace identification. Then, so that's kind of your, your around your fitness. Um, this next part is really optimization around the course itself. So there's route segmentation in the route itself, the hills, the terrain, the left turns, right turns, wind, you know, all the different things that are going on. Uh, we have algorithms that run route um, segmentation um, optimization to where they're identifying the flats, the climbs, the descents, and and grouping those together in meaningful segments that make the most sense. Like where are the descents? Where, where should you change how much power you're holding? Yeah. Yeah. Is this one big um, climb from top to bottom or is it, you know, three different climbs as it changes yeah. based on the duration and how hard you're going to have to go on each of those relative to your FTP, you know, the descents, what is your drag profile? When do you kind of start maxing out? Like I'm going as fast as I can because the wind's holding me back. I'm going so fast. Um, and you know, anyway, so, so it's segmenting just the course. So we've optimized the course and that's all a prerequisite to then optimize your power. So now we have your target power um, the course segmented, optimized. Which so, again, quick reminder, it's going to do that from every major Ironman race that's exactly. already in there. Or yeah. if you want to upload the GPX file of your favorite local sprint, it can do it for that too. Exactly right. And then there's settings in there. You can do your climb variance, flat variance, flat max, your descent, all these different settings. Like how much variability do you want to be counted together? Or when do you want those breaks to be? Do you want, you know, if your head unit can only take a hundred segments or 50 segments or like, I don't want to be changing power every quarter mile, yeah, you yeah. know? <laughs> um, so you're going to set what, what you want that to be. How many times you want to be prompted to change Correct. your power. Right. Yeah. How often all that. Um, so that's all route segmentation. Then you have the power plan optimization itself, optimized drink. Um, so when do you change power? Uh, why do you change power? And what's the impact of that? Um, considering all of those different things. And so you're going to have that very, very detailed, uh, again, able to export it, uh, print, um, upload it to your head unit, whatever you want to do there. And then there ha there's this other feature that we use. It's not a feature so much as it's an embedded technology. It's called um, Bike Impact on Runtime, BERT. 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 So um, that's a quantification of if I, if say RaceX says, we want you to go 73% of your FTP for this bike split, but you say, I want to go 75% and you can adjust that. It's going to give you an estimated impact on your runtime. So yeah, you may go faster by three minutes, but it's going to cost you seven and a half minutes on your run or whatever that might be. And so that would be a big BERT. It'd be a big BERT. You don't want a big BERT. You want a little BERT. Okay. So we've all grown up <laughs> loving big BERT. <laughs> Um, but Big Bird's bad. The day we Sesame <laughs> Street came on the Try Out podcast. Uh, so, and then, so all of that kind of happens and then you get your optimized um, bike power plan and then your run is optimized, your target pace or power, whether you're running bike, rate adjusted pace or your run power, either one there. And then you can make whatever optimization or not optimizations, you'd be making modifications yeah. um, on your own, whatever. It's just to put the athlete in control. You can You can change it to whatever you want it to be. Uh, but we're going to optimize. So the easiest, simple use is you put in your race, RaceX optimizes it, you export it, you know, or print it out, whatever you want to do, and go execute that. It's that simple. And you look at it, you can dig into it, you can modify it, you can change it, you can run what ifs like Elizabeth loves to do, uh, and just see what happened with equipment, with going harder here, less here, um, and you know, just do that to your heart's content. But so that's a, kind of a gut, guts of the optimization piece. As, how it makes you faster. And how it makes you faster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By answering all of those questions, um, you know, systematically through the technology to get you exactly what is the fastest possible time for you to get from point A to point B.
So Jeff, before RaceX launched to the masses, that there was a webinar for Trout ambassadors to kind of give them the first look at the new RaceX, uh, and it, it helped us, you know, get some feedback and advice from our athletes. Um, on that call, a great question came up about how RaceX compares to any other resource that suggests race day pacing. Uh, and an athlete mentioned a specific app that is exclusively bike pacing focused. Um, now on that call, we didn't have time to address it. Uh, but Jeff, can you kind of compare and contrast RaceX with that app? Absolutely. First of all, I want to shout out to our ambassadors. They're so awesome. Really appreciate their They're time. Okay. <laughs> hey, they do. Okay. Uh, this and, and past releases, past things we've done before, just getting the input from them and advice and Hey, think about that. Or we've even got a comment on there. That sucks. <laughs> and <we're> like, <laughs> that's the most valuable thing. And then here's my idea. So it's not just a beating us down, but you know, then they had a, a much better idea. Like, Hey, yeah, that's a be much better way to explain this or, or whatever. So much appreciated there. So there's, there's other, there's a whole lot of other apps. Um, I'll mention, um, or not apps so much as just even your Garmin says, here's yeah. your recommended 10 K pace. Yeah. You know, is these recommended there on very simple one size fits all power curve, power duration curves. And so that's not at all what we're, we're talking about My here. My Garmin ones are always much slower than I'm capable of. And I'm like, get yeah. out of here, Garmin. It's going to depend on a lot of things like, I mean, genetics, your training. I mean, there's so many things. So, so this is much beyond that. So this is applying, um, weather and the terrain and a whole bunch of other things. The, the one thing that the guy mentioned that, that bike, um, application, that is a good reference point for some triathletes who have used that. Even if you don't, uh, as I walk through this, some differences, it'll help kind of enumerate some of the different things that we're, that we're doing now, uh, where the celebrity, the, the similarities are. Um, to that uh, bike only app is that it does simulations. So it is simulated. There are inputs, it's running the math, the uphills, downhills, wind drag. Um, if it, you know, you, you enter your own, so it doesn't come up with your, your target power. You enter, here's the power I'm going to do. Um, so it, it figures that out, you know, and, or doesn't figure that out. It takes that in and produces the simulation. So that's where we're, we're similar in the simulation side itself. It doesn't do the run, doesn't do the swim. Um, so the optimization piece, so pre-simulation, um, pre-optimization is verifying the routes. Uh, we, this, these are the things that we uniquely do. We verify those routes, the elevation. We have our own um, validated uh, elevation source outside of you know Google Elevation or some of these others, so it's highly accurate. Um, the wind exposure and direction are set. Uh, for those, we have those preloaded courses for all the major events, like I mentioned. Um, the optimization of the power segments, you know, what should constitute a hill or a climb or descent uh, for you. How long should those be? What is that optimal, you know, breaking up of those zones? Um, optimizing the the environment. So translating your here's what my FTP is on in my race or my local environment, training environment. What should it be on race day? The identification of you know what is your percent of FTP for your target power. What should that number be? That optimization, the optimization of power for each segment. So what based on all those segments that are optimized, what that power should be. Uh, and then optimizing your, you know, or minimizing your bike impact, uh, on your runtime. So we, we, we can kind of give you a big bird or a small bird. They yeah. don't give you any bird, right? That, that's not just, it's not an analysis. They don't do the run yeah. specifically, but they don't do the optimization either. And so we have that, that power plan based on all of that. And one way, like in that specific app, if, if you're a user, uh, a way to just kind of highlight the, the difference is if you, if you were to have race X and you, um, organize your, you have X number of, uh, power segments. Uh, for a particular bike and you get your, your predicted time, your optimized time, and then you go change those number of sections. You're going to go look at the power numbers change and your predicted optimized time, 
uh, will change. If you have fewer segments, it's not going to be as fast as if you had more segments. Yeah. It's just more granular. Uh, if you go to that app and you change the number of segments, your time doesn't change. It's the same. You have different power, different intervals, different watts, but it doesn't, it's not optimizing. It's just running a simulation and doing these kind of after the fact adjustments. And so that's um, just kind of the level that we've taken it to. We've obviously we've been working on this for many, many, many years and adding that layer on top of simulations to optimize both segments and environments going into simulations. And then also uh, after you run those simulations, running them in a way that we can optimize the output so that you have that precise best um, power um, that, that leads to the best um, overall race time, time. The race. Yeah. yeah. So we've talked quite a bit about race execution and, and what RaceX does for us. Um, so let's talk just a little bit about what we need to do as athletes to use RaceX. Um, what is the process like for an athlete that is signing up, um, all, all the way, f- you know, from onboarding to using the, the pacing plan on race day, what are kind of all those steps in between? Well, one of the things that Jeff had mentioned earlier is that using RaceX can be super simple. And I kind of want to go back and just highlight that again. I mean, athletes. It doesn't have to their, be rocket science. Right. Exactly. It doesn't <laughs> you, you provide your data, select your race, and then you received your optimized pacing plan. I mean, three simple steps right there. Um, and then you can be done. The optimization is fully automated. So it's done for you. And then from there, it really just depends on how much you want to dig in. If you want to get into some of the rocket science, you know, there are those settings that an athlete could choose to modify, but, but that's athlete choice. They don't have to, um, they can be very, very simple, very easy. So what are some of those settings that an athlete can modify if they want to dig in a little deeper? Yeah, well, I mentioned a few of those earlier. Uh, so there's a bike profile, uh, you can adjust your, the weight of your bike, um, your, your body weight's going to affect it too. And so you can actually put in there, here's my typical race weight. So I may be this much now, but on typically on race day, I weigh this much. And so you can put that in there right now, Jeff, I weigh a mean 140 That's on right. race day. I like to be down the 138. That's so right. big difference. Yeah. <laughs> Lean and mean. Um, yeah. So your weight, your components, you could have kind of two different bike setups, you know, one with race wheels, none, one with, without the race wheels, um, change your, um, when you're in there and your, your percent FTP, uh, if you wanted the number of segments, the climbing speed, there's a couple of cool things. Like at what point, how fast when you're going up a hill or how slow, I guess, do you move to, you know, up to your hood? The base bars. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when I'm climbing, I'm not down in my arrow, I'm, I'm moving up. So what speed is that? And or then when you're descending on the flip side. Yeah. Yeah. The terror factor. <laughs> yeah. What is your descent? How fast are you willing to go? <laughs> yeah. That speed when will limit. I stop pedaling? I've done it in Greece for me. That's 38 miles an hour at 36 to 38 miles an hour. Andrew Harley stops pedaling. Yeah. So you're breaking at that point. And so you get to set that each. Each athlete will be different, um, so that'll affect. So you can change all of those things, and you don't have to change anything. Elizabeth, as a highly competitive athlete um, and as a coach uh, for your athletes, how do you plan on utilizing all these new features in RaceX um, to get ready and prepare for race day? Gosh, there there are so many opportunities here. Um, you know, and as as we've discussed so far, the applications of using RaceX extend well beyond the race event itself. Um, so for example, like RaceX is going to allow for race rehearsals to be even more productive and, and truly not just four weeks and two weeks out from race day, but also in the months leading up to race day for better familiarity with the bike course terrain. Um, you know, as athletes have the opportunity to ride a portion of the race course at their specified wattages to kind of match the training objectives of that particular session. So, um, a lot yeah, of just interrupt real quick that the, she's talking about right there, there's, there's some of these environments where you can go and actually look and, and you're in the environment where you're riding the course. 
but this allows you to actually push the power that you're going to push during the, yeah, the course the as right well. power so, yeah yeah so it's mm-hmm. even more than just that environment. Well, and as you're doing that, then kind of also tracking your heart rate in relationship to the yeah. terrain of the course, you know, dialing in your perceived exertion. How does it feel to ride, you know, that specific hill or this specific segment of the course? Um, so that's going to give you a lot of information as well, even prior to race day. Um, I know that I'm personally planning to use that feature in the months prior to my race events, and I'm going to be working with my coached athletes to do the same. Um, I also think that it's something that I'll use to help guide athletes toward appropriate gear selections. I know we talked about that. Um, I know we've recently had a great podcast episode on gear upgrades as well. And some of those items that can make an impact on race day. Um, so instead of, you know, just telling an athlete like, Hey, (laughs) we really need to get you on a TT bike instead of your road bike, um, being able to kind of educate them and quantify what difference that gear upgrade would make for them in their finishing time. I think that's going to be a very valuable thing as well. Um, gosh, in, in addition to that, there's a section within race X where you can outline your nutrition and hydration that you've been practicing within those longer duration sessions. So I know that I'm going to use that as a resource to outline my nutritional intake for, um, kind of preparation for race day, ensuring that I'm feeling strong, not experiencing any GI distress so that I'll be able to replicate that same plan, um, on the race course as well. And, you know, then all of the race day benefits we previously mentioned. And I know, Andrew, you've had said that you were most excited for that exporting the bike power plan. That's the same thing here. That's what I'm most excited about. Um, And, you know, I know I've already kind of listed a bunch of things there. And this wasn't an exhaustive list by any means, um, just because there's so much functionality. But I I think there's one last thing that I want to mention as well. For me, I think one of the biggest benefits that, you know, isn't necessarily a a specific feature or a specific number is just an increased sense of confidence. Um, I know RaceX has always given me a lot of confidence going into a race. I know what to expect for my pacing of each discipline. I know how that's going to fit together for my final finishing time. Um, And I know that that's going to be a big benefit to athletes using this as well. Jeff, you mentioned earlier for TriDot athletes that that use TriDot to train. Um, this is already available yes. as of today. They get a head start. Yeah, they, they get a head start. Um, so, so when is this available to to the masses? Uh, early January. Okay. Early January. I leave it at that. Um, we have a date in mind, but we're just continuing to get some things in line uh, for that. Um, but really excited to, to welcome others that may be doing other things to train. Um, love to optimize your training too, but if you want to use RaceX alone, that's, that's wonderful. It can definitely make a big difference this next year. I know... Uh, just in the context of this past year, so many races have canceled and so many things have happened. It's just kind of a fresh start, just a way to kind of get excited about, visualize what you can do, set some new PRs, even at the same fitness level. Just knowing that pacing better is going to take, you know, 20, 30, 40 minutes off your off your time. Um, it's just a big inspiration, I hope, and uh, helps a lot of people, you know, come back to the sport, come back to their training, come back to racing stronger than ever. Great set, everyone. Let's cool down. Hi, Tridot family. My name is Jonathan Mejia from Tampa, Florida, and I want to share a quick story of how RaceX helped me get through Challenge Daytona 2020. So I'm a fairly new triathlete. I've been doing triathlons for just over a year now and using Tridot for just shy of 10 months during that time. I've primarily completed in local sprints, and I did sign up for a few Olympics and international distance, 
Uh, unfortunately, COVID canceled most of those races, but I knew that I wanted to do something a little bit more challenging than a sprint. So a buddy of mine in the military actually had just signed up for Challenge Daytona, and he said, hey, I think you should do this, the middle distance specifically. And I thought he was crazy because I, had I hadn't done anything greater than a sprint at that time. So I put the race in the season planner, and of course it says, hey, you can do this. And now I'm like, well, if TriDot says I can do it, then I can do it. So I signed up for the race. Uh, overall, over that six months, training went fairly well. I mean, considering work, family, and being in the Army National Guard, it wasn't as consistent as I would like, but I did the best that I could. And ultimately, I did feel strong and confident going into Challenge Daytona. You know, obviously being in the military, we love a good plan, and that's ultimately what RaceX gave me. I remember the night before reviewing my race splits, and it was showing that I was going to finish sub six hours, which I thought was crazy because I hadn't done a 70.3 before. But ultimately, it predicted for my swim, I was going to do it in 44 minutes and 58 seconds. I was going to do the bike in two hours, 38 minutes and 35 seconds, and finish the run in an hour, 52 minutes and 25 seconds. I thought it was a little bit aggressive, but I was like, you know, if I get anywhere near that on the swim coming out of the water, I, I'll feel okay on the rest. And ultimately, I did. I, I came out of the swim at 42 minutes and 32 seconds, two and a half minutes under what RaceX predicted, and I felt great. Unfortunately, when I got on the bike, I had an issue with the saddle, so I had to jump off for five minutes and fix that while I was on the course, and also my legs started cramping. And I don't mean a little cramp here and there, I mean nonstop cramps on both of my quads. So my bike time was two hours, 52 minutes and 39 seconds, about 14 minutes more than what was predicted. Now, ultimately, my goal was to finish under six hours, and I knew if I averaged, if I got at least two hours on my run or less, that I would be okay. So I step off from the bike, go through transition, and my legs will just will not stop cramping. I mean, both of my quads and the rest of my body just want me to stop and to quit. And I knew if I walked that I would quit. So I decided to back off the RaceX pace just a little bit but I had known enough about RaceX and the paces that it put in there for me and the training that I had done that I knew if I can back down and average, finish the 13.1 miles at two hours, I'll be okay. And that's ultimately what I did. I finished at two hours, one minute, 38 seconds to get an overall time of five hours, 48 minutes, beating my goal of coming in under six hours despite the cramps and everything that I faced. But ultimately, the best part of crossing that finish line was not only just saying, hey, I finished a 70.3, but it was also seeing, you know, Andrew, the average triathlete there, and Coach John Mayfield cheering me on as I'm crossing the finish line. And that kind of was the icing on the cake to say, hey, this was a great race. So I'm really excited about that 70.3 and excited about my next, which will be Ironman 70.3 Puerto Rico in March. And I'm excited to use RaceX for that race and see what it predicts for me as I continue with my training and trust the process. Well, that's it for today, folks. Enjoying the podcast? Have any topics or questions you want to hear us talk about? Head to tridout.com slash podcast to let us know what you're thinking. We'll do it all again soon. Until then, happy training. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to subscribe and share the TriDot podcast with your triathlon crew.
For more great Tri content and community, connect with us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Ready to optimize your training? Head to TriDot.com and start your free trial today. TriDot, the obvious and automatic choice for triathlon training. <laughs>